How's it going, everyone? And welcome to episode eight of Jimmy D and Mr. B. I am Jimmy D. And I am Mr. B. And we're going to talk about some history. So, Jimmy, we sound a bit better today, maybe, because for those international listeners that we somehow <laughs> seem to be getting... Unknown how that happens. Um, peek behind the curtain again. We're coming out of some of the harshest lockdowns in the world in it, Melbourne. And exactly. we can actually record in person. I know, it's very exciting. I always hoped this day would come, and it finally has. And we've even got ourselves a beautiful new uh, podcast, Mike, thanks to Blue uh, Yeti. So thank you for creating an amazing and affordable microphone. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, if we sound a lot better, that is why, and I think we've been excited for this day, because uh, it's much easier than uh, the old Zoom, which a lot of podcasts have been doing, which is not particularly fun, but it got us through it did. some pretty boring lockdown. It definitely did. We definitely thank Zoom a lot for that. Yeah. So, today's episode, um, we are talking, as you would have seen in the title, about Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot today. So I think a lot of people our age would know of Guy Fawkes through pop culture. He's this weird, like, enigma in pop culture. And I reckon people our age would kind of recognise his likeness from the V for Vendetta movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a great movie as well. But, yeah, I mean, essentially it's a guy who's wearing a Guy Fawkes mask and is essentially the government is corrupt and he wants to take them down. And that's essentially what Guy Fawkes is trying to do yeah. in real life. So uh, it's it's accurate to a sense, but obviously it's set in the modern era. Yeah, and he's sort of commonly associated with anarchy. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit in his legacy. Um I also picked this for a reason. Um, my wife, she's born on the 5th of November, which um, is Guy Fawkes Day, essentially, in England. So um, her birthday will come out the week of this uh, podcast dropping. So I thought I would do Guy Fawkes for her. She often gets like Guy Fawkes gifts and things like that from her family. So this is a little shout out to Megan as well. So romantic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Romance through podcast form. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Guy Fawkes is a pretty mysterious guy. Um, he's most associated with the gunpowder plots. Um, so we're going to talk about him. His early life, like I said, is pretty mysterious, but there's some real key points that sort of show his motivations. And we'll talk about the plot and how close um, they got to basically changing the, the, the world forever, really. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So let's get into it. Um, Guy Fawkes was born in 1570-ish. Again, like a lot of our um, people that we talk about, records aren't great. No. But um, that seems to be about the time he was born in uh, York in England. So he was part of a pretty ordinary family at the time. Um, he's one of four siblings, and Guy's parents, like many in the this era in England, they were former Catholics who had reformed to the Church of England. A- another common thread in our recent exactly. podcast. Exactly. It's all about the church. And, I mean, again, it would have been a big step to become a cat be a catholic and then just all of a sudden no nah, we're not catholics this wasn't like changing the type of bread you use for uh, uh, like th- th- this was huge so for the fact that so many catholics had done this um it was it was pretty big and i mean again it was safer to just not be catholic than 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 to be catholic at this stage yeah so at the time um elizabeth the first who um if you listen to our earlier episodes was the daughter of uh henry the eighth and anne boleyn um, she had made it compulsory to 
uh, be Protestant or part of the Church of England um, in the country at the time. So you had to attend masses of the Church of England. Um, you could not openly practice Catholicism no. or even privately no. practice Catholicism. And there were pretty stiff penalties, Jimmy, for this. Yeah, look, I mean, essentially it was either prison, death or torture because especially if you were something, maybe like a noble who was... Who still who wasn't part of the Church of England? Maybe you were spying for France or Spain or someone like that. So um, it just wasn't safe in any means, whether you were a noble or, or poor, to uh, not uh, follow the law. Yeah. So this resulted in some seriously oppressed Catholics, and it was not um, a very popular policy at the time. But no. um, this is God fearing England under the Crown, and um, you kind of did as you were told for the most part. Um, when Guy was eight years old, and this is pretty formative in his motivations, his father passed away, um, and several years later, his mum remarried. Um, so the guy that she re- remarried was actually a recusant Catholic. Yeah. Um, so he ended up, you know, the father, the, pa- the you know, patriarch of the family, he ended up basically making them recusant Catholics. So do you want to just briefly maybe explain what recusant I mean, essentially, was? I mean, recusant just essentially means that, like, they are kind of Catholic but in secret and that even though and they weren't really like telling anyone about it but in like their private lives they were and they were practicing it without anyone knowing type thing so basically it's essentially people who may have gone to the Church of England but then they've come back and then they're practicing it practicing their faith in private yeah so there seem to be a few of these around York, um, particularly these recusing Catholics. So Guy and his siblings were actually baptised as Catholic in secret. Um, obviously, he was you know a little bit older at this stage, um, probably a teenager at this point, um, who had been you know baptised as Catholic after growing up as sort of a Protestant yeah. through this time. Um, he also attended St. Peter's School, where a lot of the staff and students were also low-key Catholic yeah. as well. So. Um, Luckily, he kind of had his people, and because of this, like, his passion for Catholicism and trying to um, keep the faith strong and break out of these shackles sort of grew stronger. Yeah, amped it up a lot. Yeah. Um, Following on from school, Guy, um, I don't know, he seemed like an interesting character that kind of clashed with a few people along the way. Strong Um, opinions. Yeah, he struggled to get sort of steady work, um, reportedly as a result of this sort of personality and stuff. Um... So, in those days, young adult, struggling, you join the army. Exactly. Or you try to, try to join the army. Um, it was a pretty peaceful time in England, though, under Lizzie the First. Weirdly so. Yeah. So, he had to um, actually go to Spain and be, like, sort of a soldier for hire, essentially, like, sort of a, a, um, a mercenary to, to go over there and fight with, actually, the Spanish Catholics yeah. against the Dutch. So... Fighting for Catholicism, yeah, albeit in a different country, Jimmy. Really, like, uh, uh, ignited the flame for what it would do in in the near future. And igniting the flame, I'm sure there's no <laughs> pun intended there, no, but not at all. Um, that'll make sense later on, I guess, if you uh, don't know what happens. Um, this may be, I guess, like you know, he was. I use the term radicalized yeah. because essentially, you know, there becomes 
that that's what we throw around with like you know terrorism exactly like yeah that, you know but fighting I, for your faith but i mean i mean really though he was just a man and was with a group of men who just didn't like the way that the country was being run and yes was he going to go to the extreme to fix it but i mean you can understand his motivations and why he was so drawn to this cause yeah so, um, Jimmy, do you want to talk about what's happening, meanwhile, in England while he's over fighting in Spain? Yeah, so, basically, uh, 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 Liz's reign has ended. She hasn't had any children, known as the Virgin Queen, obviously, um, and she's died in 1603, which is two years before the uh, gun, the uh, gunpowder plots had happened. And there, and a new king's been appointed, James I of England, but he's also the sixth king of Scotland. So he's kind of got two titles. Um, and there was hope that James would be more lenient, as he had promised. He'd kind of said, look, I'm going to slow down on murdering all the Catholics. Um, as is pretty common, though, with kings, he did change his mind, and the persecutions began as they had been before, and it was pretty pretty bad and um and so this pretty much continued and was the really again the beginning of the start of the end for guy Fawkes because this is what set him on his path even even further yeah so he obviously came back he thought he'd be free of persecution um for practicing catholicism under james yeah no dice so um he wanted to do something about it and so did um so did other people in England at the time. So in 1604, so this is um, a year after Lizzie's reign, he's back in England and um, Guy Fawkes ended up sort of linking in with this small group of English Catholics led by a bloke named Robert Catesby. Great name. Yeah, it is, yeah. He, um, Catesby was the leader of this group. Guy was definitely, you know, he seemed to be um, a pivotal part of this Um, And we'll talk about, you know, why in a little bit. Um, But that group essentially devised a plot to blow up Parliament, blow up the monarchy, basically cause as much um, death disruption and anarchy amongst the current system as possible. Um, And, And only as far as plans go, it sounded pretty good, like... They knew the date that they were all going to be there, including the king, even the king's uh, children, I think, and um, or some of them, and like a lot of like the key members of parliament. So this was a well thought out uh, plan that they thought they were probably pretty confident in that it was going to happen. Yeah, and their um, device to take down Parliament House and all those within it was going to be gunpowder, hence the name, the Gunpowder Plot. Um, there was a lot of mystery around the group and who was, you know, in charge, who was doing the planning. Um, but Guy Fawkes is said, you know, to have been quite respected within the group. He was very loyal. He was very passionate about the cause and Catholicism, um, being, escaping this persecution. Mm. And he was also highly skilled in the manners of war. Yes, he spent a lot of years overseas fighting. Exactly, and I have to wonder if that's one of the main reasons he may have been chosen for the task that we'll be speaking about in a in a minute or so. Because obviously he might have, he may have been way more experienced than all the other people in the group. Because obviously, like we said, England was quite peaceful. So maybe a lot of these guys were just really uh, passionate about the cause, but didn't exactly have the skill set. As where we'll find out, Guy Fawkes 
Definitely did. Yeah. So there are a lot of details and stories in setting up this plot that, um, you know, would take us quite a long time to talk about. Um, but the plan essentially was to store as much gunpowder as possible at the basement of Parliament House. So basically stockpiling as much gunpowder in there as you can yeah. to eventually ignite the switch, ignite it um, on a day when um, Parliament was sitting and the monarchy was going to be there. Exactly. Um, I was listening to a great podcast talking about how it would have been possible to actually do this yeah, at because, the time. because you would think that it would be pretty hard just to sneak a whole bunch of gunpowder barrels, because these were big barrels as well, yeah. underneath Parliament. And I think they had rented a cellar or something like that near, nearby, which allowed them to build like a tunnel almost. Yeah, and there's a lot of people coming in and out of Parliament at this time, like a lot of vendors, a lot of, you know, you've got your cooks, your cleaners, your servants, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So somebody wheeling in... A barrel probably wouldn't have looked that strange. Exactly right. They would assume it was wine or, or food or something like that. Yeah. And they, like you said, they rented out a nearby house um, around the House of Lords um, with, you know, this cellar under it that essentially just went underneath Parliament House. Yeah. So it was great for them and they were able to stockpile huge amounts of um, gunpowder under there. I mean, and at this stage, if you were them, you'd be thinking everything's going to plan. We've, we've got a, we've got a way into under parliament. We've got the barrels there. Everything at this stage was looking like we're going to achieve our goal. Yeah. So the 5th of November is the day 1605. Um, this is the day that was chosen um, because I believe it was like for you know, the season or year. It was like the opening of Parliament. Yeah, exactly. And um, and during that time, the king would attend and perhaps some of his children would attend. So, like, it was it was the day where pretty much everyone you wanted to be there was there. Yeah. And, yeah, it was very carefully picked. The time was very carefully picked for that. And Guy was carefully picked to light the fuse, yep. essentially, of... Um, this gunpowder, due to you know, due to the skill that we talked about before, due to that sort of um, commitment, it's not really clear whether he was planning to go up with the with Parliament yeah. or if he was going to light it. And yeah, no, it, it didn't. I, I, as far as I could see, he never said. I mean, you would assume he was a smart guy. He would have made a long fuse. You would have think because of his experience. But again, uh, we don't really know what was going to happen with that. Yeah, and the plot. You know, we keep calling it a plot because it didn't take place no, but unfortunately for guy and his and his comrades yeah and very fortunately for um the whole of parliament and the monarchy <laughs> yes. um and probably the country and the and the continent i would say would have been thrown into absolute disarray um the plot is foiled though so the november 5th you know meeting approached and one of the uh, lords that was actually going to attend parliament that day was a brother-in-law of one of the guys that was actually involved in the plot. Maybe he was one of the, like, side guys or something like that. Unfortunate. Yeah. Um, He received an anonymous letter warning him not to attend Parliament on November the 5th, um, which obviously seems strange to this bloke, Lord uh, Monteagle, which is another great name. Excellent name. Um, Monteagle alerted the government and um, literally hours before the attack was going to take place, the area was searched yeah. because, you know, they have this weird anonymous tip. That's like, right. All right, we'll do a quick run around. And um, 
old mate Guy Fawkes was just found, you know, hanging, lurking around this <laughs> this cellar um, with a huge amount of explosive <laughs> material. Nothing sus happening here, guys. Yeah, so it's like a little bit anticlimactic in how it kind of gets discovered um, just through this anonymous tip. Um, but around, you know, midnight on the night of November 4th, heading into November 5th, yeah. like literally... Hours before. So close. Um, Guy Fawkes was found lurking in the cellar. With him was 36 barrels of gunpowder. <laughs> um, and like you said, large barrels yeah. of gunpowder. It, it would have been interesting to, like, obviously, I don't know how potent this gunpowder was, but I feel like it would have done a, a solid... I feel like it wouldn't have just blown up Parliament. I feel like it would have taken out some nearby structures yeah. or at least done a lot of damage. Yeah. It's... I think some modelling's been done on what sort of destruction that would have caused. Everyone in Parliament's dead. Yeah, like, for sure. It's... Yeah, it's serious yeah. Um, amount of explosive material. So... So close for so Guy, close. Catesby, and the rest of the gang um, to achieve their mission. Um, but it was, of course, foiled. A funny thing I read um, when I was sort of researching this is um, Guy Fawkes was actually asked by one of his interrogators why he was in, in possession of so much gunpowder. And he replied, to blow you Scotch beggars back up your native mountain. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. Um, look, James I was, as you said, a king of the Scots. The Scottish, and it was known that Guy Fawkes absolutely hated the Scottish. The Scottish were uh, very much on the side of uh, their king and weren't uh, Protestant at all. So, uh, yeah, it's basically referring to the king and uh, obviously uh, a beggar is a poor person. And as we know, Scotland has lots of mountains. So um, pretty much just telling him to go back where he came from, essentially, in a really cool way. Yeah, I love that quote. <laughs> um, so the, the plot is foiled. Guy's caught. Um, they want to know who else is behind it. I feel like James, king, James I takes this as a really personal, yeah. um, I guess, win as well. Like, you know, they exactly. discovered the plot as yeah. well as um, he's quite eager to see justice done yeah, exactly. in this scenario, coming so close to killing him, his family. and Exactly. I mean, and to be fair, you can understand if someone tries to kill you, you want to know who else was involved and you want to make sure that they are duly punished for what they've done. For sure. After a lot of torture... Um, Guy Fawkes reveals um, that he was a participant in an English Catholic conspiracy to annihilate England's Protestant government and replace it with Catholic leadership. And I think they actually wanted to replace it with one of James's younger uh, children, uh, Elizabeth, I believe her name was, and she would have been about nine or ten, and she was already promised to another king, uh, I think in uh, Holland maybe, I'm not exactly sure. So essentially they thought she would take over and she would put to bed all this uh, Protestant stuff. So that was the plan in the end. Yeah, these guys weren't just anarchists. They had a proper plan for England to be transformed under new leadership. And, you know, if they got away with it and nobody knew who did it... Exactly. Like, yeah, they thought this could work. It definitely could, could. We could change England and live happily as Catholics. Exactly right. Or Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, obviously that didn't end up happening in uh, Charles the first, James's firstborn or second born son ended up becoming king and it didn't get much better for them after that either. Yeah. So 
the torture element of Forks to kind of give up the guys yeah. that helped co um, conspirate co conspirators <laughs> um, of this plot um, was it started off pretty light at first. So using um, you know like being hung from handcuffs yeah. on the wall, you know, and then it became much more severe. Yeah, um, ending with the dreaded rack, Jimmy. Yeah, the rack was. I I had I did know what the rack was, but I thought before I go into it, I'd like to just reacquaint myself with it. It was brutal. Um, so essentially, they tied him uh, by the ankles and by the wrists onto like basically a long flat piece of uh, wood, like a basically it's like a table, and then um, the two guys at each end would kind of move cranks and kind of slowly stretch guy until his elbows and shoulders would uh, pop out of their sockets and his knees and his ankles. So essentially they would like just basically break him apart slowly, really. Um, and this would have been excruciating. I mean, I personally have never uh, popped a, my shoulder on my socket, but I can imagine it would be excruciating and horrible. And the fact that he lasted this long was amazing before he gave up uh, the people in his uh, group. Yeah. So... He was on the rack for three days with ligaments popping yeah, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. It sounds horrible. Um, after three days on the rack, and this that's a testament to his loyalty. Yeah, that's amazing. As well. um, he gave up his conspirators. So um, King James and the government, they learnt the identities of, you know, Catesby and the rest of the gang yeah. that um, helped to plan this plot. The English authorities, they managed to capture all of the plotters, essentially, and put them all on trial. Um, so I guess we get to the trial and execution of um, Forks and the other eight plotters um, that were involved in the gunpowder plots. And this was in 1606. So in January of 1606, yeah. often we find these big gaps between no, the crime they, they and the trial. They, they wanted to sort this out quick smart. Yeah. So Forks, um, he... Basically, they were all... Trialed, they clearly lost the trial because they were very, very guilty. Um, and they basically were all sentenced to be hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah. Essentially. Um, they were to be hung from this big scaffold um, where the king and his close family were watching in secret. There were a bunch of probably heavily Protestant um, yeah. crowd around um, whilst, you know, the commissioners read out their list of charges and one by one um, these guys were hung. Um, one of the coolest things, though, <laughs> from this, I mean, a cool hanging, is yeah. um, Guy Fawkes was a bit of a badass till the end. He didn't, yeah. he, he didn't play by any rules. And it's said that as he was climbing the scaffold to his eventual hanging, he just dove off head first. Which is amazing considering his he could barely probably move because he's been on the rack for three days. Yeah. So he's literally just like ragdolled himself off the ladder. Yeah. And maybe he couldn't climb. Yeah. But it's cooler to think that he thought, I'm not going to get hung like you guys want. I'm going to go out on my own terms. Exactly. Amazing stuff. Yeah. So he obviously jumped off, broke his neck and, um, and, and died his own way, I guess. Um, it's a cooler story than he was struggling to climb because all his ligaments had popped. <laughs> exactly right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, Fawkes uh, was, as was done at the time, um, he was still quartered. Yeah. Because when somebody was treasonous to the crown, yeah. they would basically get a quarter of 
like for the four corners of his body at the four corners of the kingdom as a warning to those thinking of taking on the monarchy. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's, I think from Braveheart, they do the same and yeah. things like that. So it's, it was a bit of a tradition. It was a very common way to send, um, a way of don't mess with us. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty like short and punchy story with Guy Fawkes. He's, you know, not a lot's known about his early life. This plot happens very quickly and then execution trial happened very quickly. But I think his legacy is a pretty strange and complicated one. So whilst our legacy section's yeah. often pretty short... Yeah, short and sweet. I think for Guy it's going to be a little bit more Well, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, we still see the effects of Guy Fawkes even now in, in, the, in the 21st century. And, yeah, he's, his, his legacy has really been... His it's it's been what has seen him still known pretty well uh, even now. Yeah, for sure. So immediately after, you know, it's a massive win for King James and the monarch, as we said, who sort of saw this as a victory against those underground Catholics trying to challenge their reign. Um, and following the gunpowder plot, it actually went backwards for Catholics in yeah. the area. They lost more rights. Yeah. Previously, they were at least allowed to vote and things like that. Um, but even more repressive restrictions were yeah. placed on the Catholics in Definitely. England. For sure. Um, which is very much not uh, the purpose of the plot. No. Um, in 1606, so literally the year after it happened, yeah. um, Parliament established November 5th as a day of public thanksgiving. <laughs> um, Guy Fawkes Night or Guy Fawkes Day or Bonfire Night, it's also known as is still celebrated in Great Britain today, every yeah. November 5th. Which is which is amazing, because you wouldn't think that the monarchy would want to encourage an event that almost destroyed them. Yeah, and I guess they sort of have it as a celebration to remember, like, the monarchy stopped this plot, yeah. and, um, you know, it, it was, I think, set originally as a celebration of the monarchy, but maybe it represents a little bit of... Yeah of anarchy as well. Yeah, but in but in obviously in a quite a, a, a harmless way. Yeah, and it's very common to, um, you know, obviously not being kids of England, but um, over there apparently they burn, like, effigies yeah. of Guy Fawkes. So, like, you know, they'll have... Kids will sell, like, guys, which are, like, basically, like, dolls that you throw on the bonfire yeah. and burn. So... Every year, Guy Fawkes dolls get burnt on bonfires in England on yeah. November 5th. Um, yeah, and still today. The use of Guy Fawkes masks is another one that we should probably talk about. Uh, we mentioned V for Vendetta, the guy wearing the mask, but um, it's pretty confusing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you've got, uh, obviously, uh, Anonymous, the they wear the masks as well, but I don't even know if they realise the significance behind the masks. I'm not sure. But, yeah, it is quite odd to see people wearing these masks as a sign of uh, uh, rebellion almost, but really some of the things that they're rebelling against aren't exactly the same as what these men were going through way back when and what they were fighting for. So it's interesting to see the reason that, they're worn, but also why they wear them. Yeah, and if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, Google Guy Fawkes mask or anonymous, and yeah. you will like, you'll instantly recognise exactly. the mask, and that is apparently Guy Fawkes likeness, or at least intended to be Guy Fawkes likeness. Yeah. Um. 
I found a couple of sort of interesting assessments of his legacy from historians, like sort of conflicting ones as yeah. well. Um, obviously, in preparation for this, we read a lot of different, you know, articles and writings yeah. and listen to some very dry, boring podcasts exactly. <laughs> um, on this sort of stuff. But one of them, which I, I really liked this quote, is that he was the last man to enter Parliament with honest intentions. That could be the truest quote I've ever heard. Yeah. Another um, said that Fawkes is now a major icon in modern political culture, whose face has become a potentially powerful instrument for the articulation of postmodern anarchism in the late 20th century. So like we said, again, that rebellion, yeah, yeah. ultra accurate. And just like, yeah, like I said, really true for what's happening now. It's kind of died down a little bit. I think like it was really like earlier in like the early 2010s, it was really like a big thing now more in 2020. You don't really see it as, as much or as uh, influential as, as it has been. Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, before we wrap up, Jimmy, what, what, what are your opinions on the on the bloke, I guess? I mean, I think he was quite an amazing man. I think for someone who wasn't born into uh, power or money, but yet had just this really strong uh, will to do what he thought was right and would go to the end to, to fulfill like he he died for his cause essentially and there's not a lot of people who would do that for, for uh what they believe and i just think it's uh he's quite an impressive man and i mean it would be i just always think it's interesting to know what would happen if they if they had, had succeeded and what and what guy fawkes influence would be now if he wasn't if he wasn't found yeah i, th- I think you know his legacy if he lights that fuse is completely different as well yeah like for sure he may, he may like you said have never even been found we might never even know who guy fawkes is yeah but we would all know yeah november the 5th still as exactly that, day that the monarchy was um blown to smithereens definitely um i totally understand his motivations yeah as well we throw we throw the terms dictator around, yeah. especially here in Victoria. The dictator damn. Yeah, um, over very little. But, you know, imagine being completely mm. oppressed just yeah. for, you know, you were baptised Catholic. And, exactly. Um, it's, it, uh, you know, being fined, to, uh, tortured or killed for, for practising your faith. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great story. It's a It's a... Very confusing legacy, and um, he's a pretty fascinating character, I think. Yeah, I think we'll end with the famous little uh, quote. Uh, remember, remember, the 5th of November, the gunpowder gun treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. And I think that's a really important uh, way to end it. And again, it's just a reminder about what he did. And how he still lives on in our lives today. Well, it's been a great episode, Clint. I've been Jimmy D. And I've been Mr. B. Stay curious. Stay cheeky. Stay cheeky.